Hello, 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 hello. It's good to see you. Say hello. Welcome to the Husky Hockey Podcast, your number one resource to remind you that we will be here on four goal victories, five goal defeats, and everything in between. I'm Weldy, sitting here with Andrew, and we got a lot to talk about on this episode. And I, I feel a little, uh, a little hesitation and a little angst from uh, our Husky Nation, our Husky Universe uh, and I'm here to calm the waters. Uh, I'm not hitting the panic button. And Andrew, I want to know where your your panic meter is at, or your confidence meter. I can't remember what we what would you say your confidence meter. You uh, you know, it's you know Saturday's game. Yeah, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. But in the end, I think I'm going to convince everyone. I think it's good. I think it's good that we're going to have a bad taste in our mouth going into this prank, and I think we're going to come out with a lot of fire in the Minnesota series. Where, where are you at with this? Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, I felt it, my reaction to you know, immediate and after a couple of days thinking about it. I mean, it's not a good loss. It's, it's a bad loss, um, full stop. I don't think there's any, any way to beat around the bush. You know, Miami's a bad team and beat around the bushy. <laughs> well, well played. We'll, we'll get um, to why I say that. Uh, that's good. Um, so bad loss and they didn't play well. They deserve to lose. Um, and it exposed some areas. I think that St. Claude needs to improve on, but I don't think I, this doesn't need to define their season. Um, they're still 14 and four. Uh, they're still, if you're asking for my percentage beater, I think I abandoned that a few weeks ago because I just kind of, they're, they're going to make the tournament. I mean, they're, they're going to need several more of these type of losses in order to miss the NCAAs, I think at this point, which I suppose is possible. Um, I, I guess, so I'm, I'm not really freaking out. I, 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 did, I had a lot going on on Saturday, so I had a full day that day. So I, maybe the fact that it didn't really linger on the loss. I watched it um, in real time, but I uh, I wasn't really able to stew in it. And maybe that sort of makes me think that it wasn't as catastrophic as what you're suggesting some other fans think. Well, and that game was like at what, 2 p.m. local time for you? It was, I mean, it that was, was early, like a, like a straight up matinee. It was an early start. Uh, so yeah, I, from the perspective of it is weird. Cause I'm, I'm wondering if it does the break come at a right time for this. I, I would almost prefer if they played a week, played another weekend this weekend to shake it off. I, I, I almost don't like the fact that you have three weeks off here until your next game. Well, next real game. I, you do have the exhibition game in there, uh, on the new year's Eve or new year's Eve, Eve, I think the third, I, you know I totally even forgot about the exhibition game that I don't even know when it is. That's right. We're playing like a Canadian college, right? I think it's, I think it's the 30th. Um, and so, which the result <laughs> Come of here that, for all your Husky hockey news. I don't know yeah. what the exhibition game is. 
Well, it's the game itself. I don't think really matters. The result really doesn't matter. It's more, I like the fact that they're playing a game there. I would rather them play, have a game under their belt within the week's time before they play the Gophers rather than having three weeks off between games. I I like the fact they'll be able to get a tune-up the week before. I don't really care if they lose or win that game because that doesn't matter. Uh, It's just an exhibition game. But but getting back yep. Getting back to this weekend, um, it's just, we'll, we'll get into it. Um, there are some, like I said, some concerning things here that the, the Huskies um, ought to work on for the next few weeks. Um, but it's not, it shouldn't kill your season. It's, it, it will only kill your season if you choose to, to linger on it, which I don't think that's going to be the case. It's, they've banked enough wins here that they can afford to have a stinker here. But that shouldn't. I, I don't say that to give people solace of the fact that, or try to, I don't know, make excuses for this loss because it was a bad loss. Um, and so I, I don't know. I guess I'm just, I'm concerned, but I'm, I'm not hitting the panic button. How about, how about that? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's fair. Uh, you're going to have losses like this throughout the season. I mean, you look at any championship team, uh, throughout really history, they're going to have a stinker every now and then. That was a little bit of a stinker on, on Saturday, but let's, let's go through the full recap. Friday's first, um, got out to a, you know, kind of a quick three, nothing lead, uh, where Dylan Anhorn kind of took the game over two goals and an assist there in the first eight minutes of the period. Uh, and then you kind of thought, okay, this is this is uh, Anhorn scores, you know, a minute in. This is what we expected. This is what we wanted to see: a quick, fast start. Um, then early in the second, Miami gets uh, pops one in, and then pops one back. Okay, perfect, good answer, good answer. And then we start getting a little lackadaisical. Uh, then the get a little bit more lazy. Um, and, uh, Miami ends up making it closer than it should have been, uh, especially with one kind of bad goal given up, in my opinion, um, on Jackson Caster, that last goal, um, of the third, of the second period with about you know, 12, 13 seconds left to go. Uh, and, and that's kind of like, okay, we let them off the map. And I, I was kind of thinking during that intermission, ah, three, three goal leads aren't great apparently because, um, Obviously, Minnesota, or I'm I'm sorry, the uh, uh, against North Dakota. Obviously, we ended up, uh, you know, three goal uh, lead for North Dakota. We ended up battling back then and uh, taking it to them. And then obviously the uh, Omaha Western Michigan game that was three goals, and then Omaha came back and stormed uh, just before uh, Western Michigan made that closer than it should have been. So. Uh, but again, you know, the resilience of this team and, you know, battled back and then, you know, right early in the third period, Kupka gets the power play goal and all right, we can kind of coast in that last period for, uh, for, for a good seven to three win in kind of an up and down game, but it was, uh, a game where we were able to answer that call and response and, uh, really able to kind of put a, put everything out of reach. You know, I thought, I thought it was a good response to a series where, you know, you really had to take the reins. Yeah, we uh, we did call that. F- I, I texted you early in that game after they, I think after they got up 2 nothing, 
say, kicking myself that I only went with they're going to score in the first five minutes. Uh, <laughs> and I called that, and you know they were, they were up 2 nothing within the first five, then three shortly thereafter. Um, definitely the quick start that, that we were looking for. Miami coming off a bye weekend and pouncing on a team that maybe was a little rusty. Uh, and so that was a really good sign. And, you know, we had our sort of prediction last week was one tight one and one boat race. Well, you're thinking, okay, we're getting the boat race out of the way here quick. And then it sort of turned into, well, maybe this is the tight one as, as uh, Miami comes back with a couple in the third, in the second to make it uh, four to three, a hat trick for uh, Waldron for Miami. And they had mentioned the announcers and mentioned the first, Patrick for a Miami player since like 2016, which is remarkable. And then the next day they mentioned it was the first home hat trick for them since like 2011. It was back in their CCHA days, which just to put that in perspective, that Pollen from Western Michigan scored a hat trick on them in both games they played against Miami <laughs> earlier this year. St. Cloud has had th- three, four goal games in that span, at least. Walker, Okabe, and Benick, I know have had four goal games in the NCHC era. I might be missing one, for all I know. Obviously, Okabe had the natural hat-trick last week. Hat-tricks generally are not, like, they're not, like, perfect games in baseball. Like, they're, they're not common, but they're not rare either. And for Miami to go that long without one shows you, shows you how much they have... Uh, fallen off as a program another sign that they have fallen off as a program is the fact that there was zero fans in the stands 1200 attendance on both of those nights uh that's uh for my maybe i missed they have still have some covid restrictions in place i don't think so though that should show and i they did say that the, the students had been out i think the semester ended so that might have played a factor in that but another factor is that should benefit the road team there home team doesn't have a, a, a kind of a, a packed house on their side a lot of times road teams can really take advantage of like a dead atmosphere in, in an opposing team's building uh, but weren't able to capitalize that on Saturday but you know for, for, for in Friday's perspective I liked how St. Cloud was you know they were very uh, efficient in in their you know, we've mentioned before converting on odd man breaks and breakaways has been a bit of an issue for this team. You know, we saw in that North Dakota game on Saturday last week, um, three breakaways that they didn't score on and multiple other chances that they were unable to score on, not to mention the six that they did get past the goalie on Saturday in that North Dakota game. But here, you know, you had that Mietnin scores on the breakaway. You had a couple of a real nice kind of low two-on-one situations uh, where we're feeding a guy to basically an open net situation. Miller drew a was, penalty um, yep. that led to uh, the 5-3 to three Kupka goal um, yep. at the beginning of the, uh, the third as well. And that one was a nice little juicy rebound that they were able to bury and get past. Which Pearson. should have been a penalty shot, in my opinion, but I, I'm a little more... I don't know. I like to give out penalty shots a little bit yeah. more. So, yeah, but Miller should have had one. It, yeah. So the game was a little tighter than I think we would have liked. That third goal for Miami, you're right. 
I thought Caster, it was not a great goal from his perspective, from the defense's perspective. A couple of guys could have could have uh, intercepted. Yeah, someone needed there. to make a play there. I mean, someone the, needed the, to make a play. The guy came in on basically a one on three, and and then the Sorry. puck sort of punishment for Spalacy's goal. Yeah, <laughs> it's coming yeah. back to us. Well, it was it wasn't that bad. I mean. Because the puck no. sort of then pinballed around to another guy. Because Waldron wasn't the guy that brought the puck in. I, I don't believe. I think it, it somehow bounced to him after a fail. I think Anhorn had the best chance to clear it, but whiffed on it. and then. But still a shot from beyond the slot that, sure, that caster wanted back. Uh, and so a little tighter than you would have liked um, after that second period. But St. Cloud sort of doing... You know what good teams do if it gets a little too close for comfort, they you know quickly take back the game after a period break like that and score fairly soon in that third period. I think that was the Kupka goal, make it five to three, and that add a couple of extras to make it seven to three. That made it you know in the last three games of playing Miami and Pearson, twenty six goals that they've gotten past that defense and that goaltender, and you're thinking. Okay, just got to do this God, again for weird. one for God, one more game. And did not see a, a shutout. Yeah. Certainly didn't see a shutout coming. I mean, I didn't really expect a loss, uh, but a shutout, especially how this team has been playing. You look back at the scores, you know, 13 goals against North Dakota in that weekend. Scored five in that uh, second game in CC. So uh, four straight games there scoring five-plus goals. And so... Did not expect to see uh, zero goals on the board on Saturday. Uh, certainly not without chances. Um, I thought, though, that sat, that's Did you have anything else on the Friday game before we transition to the Saturday game? Uh, well, first off, you know, a little bit of a humble break. Uh, I got the Austin Zernick correction or uh, question that they had. I knew that right away. After they said it wasn't Blake Coleman, um, I guess because I thought they said eleven was the year, so I guess Mealy, who I think that was his Hobie year. But then my second guess was Zarnik. I'm like maybe because I I thought maybe it was after Mealy, um, or after his time there. So maybe they didn't say the year, but uh, I so I it was my second guess. So I guess we'll we'll both sort of humble brag. I was like rattling because I mean more Miami guys than I thought I remembered. Cause I'm like, maybe Barber, Barber had some good games against St. Cloud too. In, in those, in those days, Barber, so. I think had the hat trick in Minneapolis. I think that's what no, that was. Said. That was Coleman. Or that was Coleman. That was Coleman. And that was against the Huskies. Okay. Yeah. That, that was in that title game, in the title game. And that's the one where he batted it out of midair. Like it was like a die. Oh, he was, I a, don't know if it was diving, but it was, he was a beast. It was a heck of a play. Yeah. yeah. Well, and they were all in the same line, too. I mean, that was a heck of a line that Zarnick, Barber, and Coleman um, back in Miami's heyday, uh, hey, hey year for, for, for the, the NCHC. NCHC. Yeah. <laughs> the last gasp so. year. Yeah. I would say their heyday then, would have been more like late 2000s. That's uh, when they that's were like true. number one seed. But they had the one good year in the NCHC, and that was that line mm-hmm. that fueled them to that. But And then I think... One of them had a really bad injury um, the next year, and then they were like in the cellar, and then they got healthy right. Right, well, I thought at it was Coleman. Time. I thought it was Coleman the first year of the NCHC where they were last. That's that title game. That that was the second year of the NCHC, which was that was the year that Miami won the 
the uh, frozen face off. And that was the year that Coleman would have had the Patrick. I thought he got hurt in that first year. That's when it, that's when it kind of fell apart for them that year. They like barely won any games after the second half of the yeah. year, although until they swept the Huskies in the, uh, in the playoffs, but they had a ton of injuries that year. I remember. And I thought Coleman like broke his leg or something. I might be wrong about that, but. And, and I tweeted out too, at that time that it was, um, you know, I was looking at, at the media guide about the hat tricks and it said that it says that the last defenseman hat trick for the Huskies was Nick Jensen. Uh, against Denver back in 2011. And for I thought for some reason that Kevin Gravel actually had a hat trick against Miami in that series that we lost, but he actually had three goals on the weekend. Two of them was on Friday, one on Saturday, and that Saturday series he scored with .1 seconds left to go to send it into overtime, which the Huskies lost in overtime. Anyway. That, was, that was the Friday game of that series. Oh, was it the Friday was, game? was the .01, yeah. Oh. They didn't go to overtime on the Saturday game. Gotcha. Um, to go quickly, go back. Uh, yeah, little Walker uh, against Miami, four goals. Um, Okabe, obviously, uh, Minnesota State, four goals, and then yes, Joey Bunnick, four goals, Western Michigan. Do you know who holds the record for the most hat tricks or the most goals in a game for the Huskies? For the Huskies, yeah. Was it? Um, I thought I've heard this question before. Was it Knipshear? That is correct. Good job. Do you have a five-goal game? Five-goal game against I'm gonna say Michigan, Michigan Tech. Tech. Hey, there you go. Nice. I, I think I've heard that trivia question before. Obviously, that was before my time of following them. Early 90s. What year was that? 91? 93. 93? Okay. 93. Yes, before my time as well. I'm old. Not that old. Not that old. So, I don't know. Okay, so Friday game. My, or, I'm sorry, Saturday game. My thought on actually Saturday's game was I didn't I didn't think it was nearly as bad as at like a lot of buzz I would say that was going on on Twitter. I don't I it wasn't great obviously. Um and I thought that yeah, we were a little listless through the first two periods, but I didn't think anything was 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 terrible. We didn't have a lot of offensive pressure, but I didn't think Miami had a lot of chances. And I thought we had a couple more chances, but we weren't just finishing. So I was like, all right, if we keep it up, we'll pop one in. And then, you know, kind of things will start snowballing because we've seen that throughout the year. Um, And then Bushy comes through the neutral zone with a high elbow and just absolutely demolishes the Miami player in the middle of the ice when the puck was by. And I, I don't know if. Bushy, even even on Friday, too, I thought he had a bad game on Friday. And to come back on Saturday and, you know, have that hit and get kicked out of the game, it it, it was – I thought it was just kind of a, a blow where we were kind of started to get maybe something going. And, uh, you know, just killing off a couple penalties earlier in the period, too. So, like, going – back on the penalty kill i'm like all right if we get through the first two minutes of this penalty kill i think we're going to be okay and then i don't know if we got through 20 seconds of the penalty kill before before they scored and after that i was like all right we're gonna have some work cut out to us because you know 
we've seen it before. I feel confident in this team that something, and then they pop in two more by the end of the period, and I'm like, okay, this is going to be a hole that's going to be that's going to be probably too deep in one period to bring yourself out of. Yeah, you, 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 as far as I mentioned, things to improve on. Obviously, penalty kill has been struggling the last two weekends. I mean, we when we were previewing the North Dakota series, I know that we at least I checked the. Uh, their stats on special teams and they had the exact same PK percentage as North Dakota. And I think they were tied for 10th or 12th in the country. Um, so, and it took, remember you took them like three or four. Did they go the entire month of October without giving up a power play goal? Um, they were uh, perfect to start the, to, to start the year on the penalty kill up until, you know, several games in. Um, so this, this unit has been, you know, pretty success. It has shown to be very successful this year, but last two weekends, it has shown some cracks to the fact, to the point where the PK is now 32nd in the country, just at 80%, giving up four power play goals on Saturday. You gave up another power play goal on Friday, one of the Waldron goals. You know, you gave up two in that final North Dakota game. So the last three games here, giving up a slew of of uh, power play goals. I, the thing that it's like, so you know, what 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 can you fix there? I don't think it's a pro. It's an issue of them being a little too aggressive. You know, mentioning we got the six shorthanded goals this year, and that's been a certain skill that they have, uh, you know, led the country in, or you know. And at least near the very top in shorthanded uh, goal scoring over the last couple of years, I don't think it's it's an issue where they're taking too many dumb chances and just trying to get breakaways. It, it's just I think sometimes penalty kills can be fickle. Like, and sometimes it's you know that uh, was it the on Friday that power play goal that they got was basically kind of a, a lucky bounce. Even their announcers kind of mentioned it sort of a fortunate bounce. Um, uh, the uh, past two uh, Miami player for a one-timer, he whiffs on it, just gets a partial uh, puck on it, and it dribbles right to another Miami player for an open net chance. Like if the guy would have taken a shot, he might not have scored there. So sometimes it is a little bit of puck luck uh, when it comes to, uh, to power play uh, or penalty kill effectiveness. But also, uh, so obviously you want to work on that, um, clean that up a little bit, and but also you know avoiding avoiding some of these major penalties. I mean, this is a completely unnecessary hit that Bushy uh, puts on the Miami player. I thought even earlier that period the Zemer play that they ended up reviewing. I thought they were going to call a five on that. Um, yeah, I did too. And so the, and we've seen, you know, a coin had that five minute major in the Western games only played one game since then. I I think the uh, coaching staff took note of that and he hasn't seen much action since that play, which was, which was a play that, um, you know, resulted in a goal for Western and, you know, a, a huge swing in that game. You know, we've had those plays like, you know, the Cranola major out in Denver, which I thought was somewhat of a, a debatable call. Didn't get scored on there, but the the rule, I mean, it, it's 
it's the rarity to not give up a power play goal in a five minute power play situation like that. So is there, and there really is no good penalty to take in a five minute major situation. There's good penalties to take. Generally the five minute ones are not the good penalties to take. And you think that yeah. this would be avoidable. Like you can, I, I don't know what, again, I don't know what you do to teach that, teach your players to avoid that. I know sometimes it's just, uh, in, in the gameplay, you, you try to make a play and it turns out not the way that you're planning on doing it. It's like, do we think that Bushy planned on on hitting him to that, you know, that high to that extent? Probably not, but it's just that's what happens when you're going that fast. And but you just from a from a guy, a fifth year player, you'd think that he had a little bit more sense to make a play like that in a scoreless game maybe step back, step off the gas there for a second and try to avoid that in the future. That's another area of, of concern that we need to clean up. And it seems like one of those things that can be cleaned up more so than like trying to figure out your penalty kill. Like just don't try to take guys head. Don't have a high elbow to a guy's head. Like that should be easy enough to avoid. I thought the most concerning aspect, Bassey, I thought didn't play all that well either, but all the goals he gave up were on the power play, so keep that mm-hmm. in mind. But, but I thought that was, and and that's not one that concerns me too much because I'll take the the overall play um, rather than just this one game. He just he was hit, he was beaten on high shots those first two goals, and you know he's a six six guy. It yeah. should take more for him to be beaten high than what those shots were. He went down very early. I think if he. Uh, plays the angle a little bit better and doesn't go. And I know at least one of them was not a good angle to let one up. Yeah. Yeah. It was. So yeah, not, not great. Um, not great performance there, but I thought the most concerning aspect was the offense on, on Saturday checking out, especially the first two periods. And when it was still a zero, zero game, um, the best chances that St. Cloud had that game were bought from the two bottom two lines. Mm-hmm. The top two, the top two lines were very, very quiet. I thought it was this was Crookshank's quietest weekend as a Husky. Yep. Um, even on Friday, he only gets the one assist, uh, and didn't hear much from him really at all throughout the weekend. Great, great performance from the Cranola line uh, on Friday. Yep. But I thought very quiet on on Saturday. They 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 had some decent chances in the third. You know, Miami's obviously going to open things up a little bit, or you know. They're, they're, St. Cloud is going to have the bulk of action. When you have a three-goal lead like that, you're not going to press the play offensively from Miami's perspective. So not surprising that St. Cloud outshot them as heavily as they did in the third. And they, they were generating some chances that uh, uh, because of that. But just looking back, like there was plays where Spellacy, uh, you know, brings the puck in. Spellacy and Molinar had a couple of plays where it's like, I wish... Those plays were <laughs> I wish top it wasn't lines. you. <laughs> and I guess credit to them that they were actually they were the ones that were generating offense. But it's just yeah. I don't know if it was a timing issue, like the you know some you know pucks you know a little bit of puck luck getting the getting the chances in the offensive zone. But there was even that play when Zemer gets out of the comes out of the penalty box from serving that minor, as it turned out that he was called on. He ends up starting a three on two with, with I think Crookshank and Miller on the other side, and Zemer takes the shots. Like I, I, I wish he would have passed that off. So it seemed like the best uh, chances in that game were bottom six guys, and 
I, I don't know if that's a combination of the top six having an off night or perhaps Miami uh, making concerted effort to, you know, put their best defenders out against those top two lines on Saturday, maybe a combination of both of those things. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a, um, that's a potential blueprint for teams playing St. Cloud here to say, Hey, this team is, is not great in the third and fourth lines. I, I think the scoring depth, something that we've been all year sort of, whenever we do see a Spellacy goal or, you know, a chase brand goal, or something like that, we note it because that's, I think, an important thing for this team. Solquist also had a, a, a grade-A opportunity on a stick. I had to remind myself, Solquist is at a 0-0-0 scoring line this year. Zero points. He's only been scratched once, so he's played in all the games except one. Uh, and he has chances. Like He had that breakaway last week against uh, North Dakota. He's gotten some chances, and I don't think he's a bad player, but he needs to produce more. Same with Molinar, just one point this year, and he's been scratched more frequently. He did play mm-hmm. this this uh, Saturday game, but I don't think he saw the ice against North Dakota. And I think these guys are are uh, frustrating players. I, I don't ex- I didn't expect them to be top six players per se, but. And I, they do have some, you know, they do have a role. We mentioned Brand too. I think are serviceable on the PK, but you need to pick up the, you need to put the puck in the net at some point. Uh, and the the good effort isn't going to be. It, it only goes so far for me. You have to produce at some point. Mm-hmm. And so going forward, being able to shut down the Crookshank and then the Cranola, Mietman, Okabi line. If teams are able to do that, that's a pretty good chance that that's a pretty good formula for beating this team because putting the onus of the scoring on those bottom two lines, that's a challenge for St. Cloud, I think. And so that's my biggest concern is that I think the scoring depth is being exposed. And if you can shut down those top two lines uh, like Miami did on Saturday, you got a better chance of, of, of beating this team. And so... You know, getting back to the percentage meter of confidence, the percentage meter is pretty good when it comes to this team making the tournament. I'm less confident that this is potentially a national title winning team. Uh, And I'm not sure if this is even a Frozen Four team. But I've always, I I don't know if I ever was that confident. A lot of that is the fickleness. I guess fickle is the uh, word of the podcast. But I have some severe misgivings about the NCAA tournament and trying to uh, base um, the successive teams based on that tournament, I think is a, a mistake. You shouldn't do it. Yeah. Um, it's a, such a random, it's basically you're playing two icebreakers in the NCAA tournament. Um, and so I don't like to define seasons by the NCAA tournament, which if you don't agree with that, I understand. I, I don't think that a lot of, but I don't think most fans agree with that or it should and you shouldn't the, it's just the, the NCAA tournament is broken and it's broken because it doesn't produce consistent. Uh, it doesn't produce uh, convincing champions consistently to me, which I think is the is, main part. Is it broken or did it break you? 
there's that's a good question. Um, <laughs> that's that's uh, the two thousand eighteen Duluth. Two thousand eighteen Duluth broke me, uh, but I had misgivings when it, with Yale and Providence titles too, and even go back to the Michigan State one. I think was the first one of these where. Oh, that Michigan like, State one. I mean, and yeah, that Yale one, and that Yale one. The Providence one too, because I was there. But yeah, those all there. There's been several of them. And there's been decent. You know, there's been convincing champions too. But it doesn't do that consistently enough for me. Uh, and you need a wholesale. Like hockey's just not. We're getting off topic a little bit here, but. Hockey is to me is we got not three in, weeks of not recruit. I know maybe let's we should go, let, maybe we should uh, to wait for for next week to to go on these broader topics. But yeah, I mean on a rant, so I guess I'll go. But hockey is not a a one game and done type of sport. Crap like this happens where teams like Miami can can win a game like this against a a, a better team. Um, that that happens that happens frequently in hockey. It happens much less frequently in football or basketball. Where I think a one and done in a postseason context, uh, that that makes much much more sense. But hockey is too much weird stuff can happen in any one game. Um, if you expanded the field to have the entire sixty-two team NCAA tournament or NCAA uh, men's hockey teams, if you allowed all of those teams to play, and you just seeded up one sixty and two and 59 and all the way down the line, you're not going to get anything close to chalk. You're going to get teams from the forties winning. You're going to get teams from the bottom half wing, a lot of much more of those games than if you're going to taking other sports. And so I think you need to play series. Uh, You need to play multiple games in the, in the postseason. It's it's some round. It doesn't need to be every round. I understand that the season is long enough. I'm not trying to expand the season any more than it is, but uh, you're playing series all all throughout the year. I, I don't know why we stop playing series all of a sudden when it's apparently the most important time of the year. Again, this is a tangent, and please jump in if you'd like. But I'm just trying to put this con- put this same cloud, this one series, and then this first half of the year as a whole. Trying to put it in the context of how do I sure. feel about this team? I still feel well. I still feel good about this team. In fact, that they're going to make the tournament. And once you make the tournament. Anything's possible. Uh, and so, but from my, from my heart, I feel good about that. From my head, I just don't see a, I don't see a national title on this team. But if we, I didn't think that at any point coming into the season, I didn't really even think about that until like the last month, really, to put that in the perspective of the realm of possibility, let's say. So I'm just trying to enjoy the season. When I have had those, the NCAA tournament has broken me sort of moments. I've come to the conclusion that I just have to enjoy the regular season. That is, you can't just tune in to NCAA hockey in the, in the NCAA tournament and be satisfied. I think you can do that. Like with the uh, NCAA basketball tournament, maybe just, I can say that because I'm a casual fan of that, but I feel like I can get my enjoyment out of basketball by just watching the NCAA tournament. And because they don't have fluky champions on a regular basis, it feels satisfying to to watch that. I don't think you can do that with hockey because you're you're just coming down to you know two teams in in a game that 
often comes down to, to puck luck. And, and you're playing in empty buildings, you're playing in bad ice conditions, uh, and, and, and just any, anything can happen there. I would rather judge a team based on the long haul of the season rather than just that one month so uh, or that, that two weeks of, of play in the postseason. So I don't know. This is a long-winded way to, to say I'm not, I'm not really all that upset about this last weekend, just this one game. But I, I'm just not, I guess, I'm trying to put that in perspective and uh, trying to give you my sort of what I'm looking at big picture. And if it doesn't make sense, that's fine, because I'm not sure if it makes sense to me. Uh, but, <laughs> I was going to say, that was, uh, that, that was kind of the, 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 the curvy, the long, winding road, uh, you know, to quote, I don't know, Thoreau? Was that Thoreau? Katy Perry? I don't know. Whoever said that. The long and Lennon. winding road? Yeah, Lennon. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that was V.I. Lennon. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, not, uh, not the road less traveled. That's where, that's where I get confused. Um, but it sounds like you're advocating for, uh, NCAA tournament, uh, series neutral or for home series top seed best of three. Is is that what you're advocating for? Well, yeah, I'd love that. I'd love, I would love no neutral. I'm I've I've accepted that you can do the Frozen Four as it is because the Frozen Four still generally, if we're not talking about Buffalo, generally sells out, and it's generally a, a good atmosphere in the building. So I don't even think you need to tweak the Frozen Four. If it was really up to me, I would play two out of three, no no neutral sites at all. Yep. You'd play best two out of three at the home rink throughout the entire thing. And I would, what I would do is I would shrink the field to 12. So give some buys and shrink the field to 12. Jeez. Uh, okay. You are, you're taking a hatchet to this. Not, not really. I mean, I think the um, percentage of teams um, for the basketball tournament, you're taking 68 teams out of like 350. The percentage of teams for the NCAA is like five or six percent higher than what basketball is, um, and that's they, they generally try to do that. Like baseballs around the same thing. That's sixty-four teams and somewhat the slightly fewer overall number of teams. They try to do it like around twenty percent of teams to make the NCAA tournament. But hockey, I think, is like twenty-six or twenty-seven percent of the teams. So you should, I think, because because. Every team that you allow in, every time you're expanding the field, you're you're weakening, you're diluting the talent of the field, and you you enable a Yale or a, or a Providence or a Duluth sneaking in with point zero zero one percent. You're giving them the opportunity to win the tournament, and they have three times in the last <laughs> ten years. Uh, those teams would have even made the tournament if not for the twelve team limit. So. That does a lot for you, actually, as far as trying to get a, a more legit champ is shrinking the field. But we're, um, we keep adding teams, though. 
right? I mean, look at how many more teams that we've added over the past couple of years and more to come. We've, we've added and, three and, and then lost two. I mean, we're not – if yeah, if we get to a point where we're adding – we get to 100, I then mean, I think maybe – uh, Illinois is right around the corner. <laughs> it has been for about a decade now. Yeah, uh, Syracuse is being rumored. Uh, so there's there's plenty of uh, chances to... No, I, I see what you mean, and I see where, where you're getting at. I just... I don't know. I, I, I keep the Frozen Four as it is. Two out of three in the first two rounds. Uh, that's it. In the high seed arena, which is you, essentially you what the they did. You need people there. You need to market the game, and you can't market it in front of four hundred fans in Allenstown. Right. Like that, that there, there's no reason for anyone to tune in because, well, nobody's there. Why would I want to watch this? Like you have to have atmosphere. Yeah, but we we've been saying that for. I mean, we've had this podcast. Four years. I mean, we we started in 2016, had it for like a year or two. So like we've covered four seasons, I think three seasons. Let's say we've been saying that since then, and there has been other people that have been writing about that and and talking about how these regionals are broken for years before, well before that. But yet we're going to enter into the 30th year of this current regional format in a couple of years and there seems to be no end in sight. I, it, it doesn't seem like there's know. any real momentum it, to change this. It feels uh, like to me that, you know, when we get to college football playoff and they're expanding now to the 12 team tournament, that's going to be played at like, like the first rounds of those, I believe are going to be played at like a home football stadium. Really? Like that's, I don't know. I, I feel like I, I, feel, I feel like, like they, they, college football could get away with just doing neutral sites because they'll sell out, especially if those are going to be marketed as playoff, you know, college football playoff games. You know, those will sell out like the Superdome and like major 60,000 seat arenas with or stadiums with no problem. The thing with hockey is college hockey is it's so niche. Yeah. So regional, no one knows about it. I mean, but yet they have made these changes. They did at least 30 years ago. I mean, the the exact format that you've cited, two out of three at home, at the home rink, at the top seeds home rink until a neutral site frozen four where it's just one and done. That was the exact format from 88 to 92 or 93 which is that was the last years before they started this neutral site regional format. So we are advocating going back to the past. Uh, but look at those champs in, the, in, those, in those days, by the way. They're pretty legit champs. I mentioned Northern Michigan. They were like 36-5 and five that year. Um, Lake State had a, a couple of just lopsided win totals. There was no, you don't look at really any of those and say, boy, those were fluky, fluky championships. So I thought, and you look at box scores and video from those, from those days, they're pretty well attended. I don't, I think what their, what their desire was, was they, they sort of wanted to copy what basketball and football were doing was that it's, these are successful neutral site sports at the, on the biggest stage. And also, I think there was there was a 
a groundswell from the smaller schools that said that, you know, the, the Michigans and the Minnesotas, they're, they're getting an unfair advantage because they're going to get all these home games because they're always going to be the, the number one seeds. You look in the last 10 years, look at who our number one overall seeds have been in the NCAA. St. Cloud twice, Mankato a couple of times. Um, I mean, Union was a number one seed. I mean, the, the parody has really caught up to college hockey to the extent that you don't need to throw the bone of neutral sites to help out the non-traditional powers anymore. I think that, I think we've progressed as a sport and the, the, the overall talent level is spread out so much that I, I don't think that that's necessary really anymore. So, yeah. uh, I don't know. We're, we are just talking to a wall here because nothing will get done. None of these suggestions will I think be it'll listen to or I think implemented. This is the year. Next rule change. It'll be the year. Well, we're, um, we're still we're definitely in neutral sites <laughs> until 2026 because they've already announced those uh, regional sites. So we're still in this for at least four years. Um, so, how about how about if everybody stops bidding? Will it uh, just? No, just nobody submit any bid, and then by default, maybe it'll it'll go back to where it should be. Uh, college football playoff, yeah, the first round is going to be teams one through four will get a bye, and then five, six, seven, and eight will have home games, and then the quarterfinals are going to be at neutral sites, really, where the where the higher rank I think is actually going to be able to pick which quote unquote bowl they go to. That's interesting. That's almost so. like. If you're the number one or the top four seeds that are getting a bye, you're missing out on an opportunity to get basically a free home game with all that revenue. It's like... I'm pretty sure those teams are going to be fine on revenue. Yeah, but if you were, if you were the opportunity for at Michigan to sell out 100,000 people in the stands, you're probably making several million dollars in one I'm game. sure you, everything You'd like gets, to pass that up? I'm sure everything gets pulled together at that point. Where it's the gate for all of the yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Distributed yeah, even that, no, that's games. I'm not easy. I'm not really so. against the idea. I I always like home home stadium, you know, on campus site atmospheres in general. Mm-hmm. Um, even like the the best, you know, the a packed neutral site, I don't think is as good of of, of an atmosphere as as a as like an on campus uh, game. So yeah, I'm I'm not complaining about that. I'm just surprised I, I did not hear that aspect of it. Back to this weekend. Yeah, <laughs> this last weekend. Back yeah. to Miami. Yeah, we had five total penalties. Um, if you count uh, the bushy uh, double hitter, and but I mean Dylan Anhorn, Brady Zemer, Josh Ludke. I mean the, these are defensive people taking penalties which kind of tells you they were you know a little little hemmed up in the zone little getting a little bit frustrated um like you said that boarding call on zemer that could have gone either way so it's it, it, it was a little frustrating to watch i'm not too concerned and i like that they have this bad taste in their mouth for a few weeks and i think it's going to lead to some really good practices and i think they're going to be really chomping at the bit to kind of get right back the ship when they're playing a Minnesota team that is absolutely just on autopilot right now. Um, so, you know, hopefully we can get them when they're maybe a little bit too overconfident. We're going to get us, you know, where we're going to be really, you know, out to kind of prove ourselves um, 
back after a disappointing weekend. So that's uh, I, I, I'm not too concerned about it. Games like this happen um, in hockey, and I'm more than okay that it's the second game, and, and I, th- I think this team's going to be fine. Uh, we just are going to have a lot of... A lot of a lot of time on the penalty kill and uh, try try to write that ship because like you said we dropped a lot of spots in the penalty kills um o- over the weekend and and this game was a direct result of it so uh I'm almost scared to ask uh if you have a player of the weekend um for for this uh for the for this uh, split uh insert a picture of me tap dancing because I forgot. Do you have a player of the weekend? I do. I'll come up with some. I I do have a player of the weekend. And obviously it does have a little bit of an asterisk because I guess Friday or Saturday's game, nobody had a good game. Um, You know, the, like you said, Bassey got beat on, you know, granted they were on the power play, but you know, some of the goals eh, you you probably could have stopped. Um, the defense, I think, was a little bit rougher. Uh, forwards were a little bit lackadaisical, um, or the top lines were a little less lackadaisical. So I kind of just defaulted to who I thought played the best on um, on on Friday's game. And when I kind of looked at Friday's game, and you know, my mind kind of went to Dylan Anhorn right away for jumping out with three points right in the first period and setting the tone. Uh, but I did, um, kind of switch it over to the whole body of work and I, I went with Cronulla at the end, uh, just with a, a solid all around performance, all around game stayed out of the, well, I mean, he, okay, fine. He did get called for a penalty, but, um, I, I, I think him having, um, uh, uh, over, overall, just a really solid, um, uh, four point game. Uh, that's uh, that's who I end up picking for my player of the weekend. So I got uh, Yami Kronla. That's a good a good one. Yeah, I I agree with your philosophy of you're basically just taking the the Friday game here. Um, but I do agree a, a that whole choice. top line on 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 Saturday's game was listless. I thought the I mean of the of them I thought Mietnin had the better of the chances on Saturday, and I thought he played pretty decent on Friday. I'm almost compelled to give it to him. Um, yeah, Anhorn was a decent one. I didn't like that his defending of that third goal of Miami's, but I don't think I gave it to Anhorn early in the year, and I will give it. So I'll give it to him because um, maybe of the whole body of work, just the and just getting the team off to such a great start on Friday, three points in the first what seven eight minutes. He said. Uh, and so let's, yeah, let's give it to him. I, again, I don't think he played great on Saturday, but as you said, no one really did, but I'll, I'll give it to, to Anhorn because I don't think I've given him to him yet this year. And he's definitely been deserving of, of some, and some praise from Andrew. So some, I am going to give it to, An- to right, from, uh, give it to Anhorn. What, what about, uh, did go Huskies woo have, have one? Go, go Huskies woo. Um, Upon reflection, the player of the week, the POW, um, is an honor bestowed upon the individual that positively impacted the team for the weekend. Therefore, I will not be awarding a Go Huskies Woo player of the weekend to anyone this past weekend. It has been decreed. Oh, 
what a cop out. Like that is not no. Like I like, did that last. I, I, I did that last year um, when they got smoked by Western. Um, yeah, you didn't and like I, it. You didn't like. I it didn't then. like at it. least no. at least then they got swept pretty handily in both games. I mean, we got a split. It's not like we got swept. Yeah, I don't like it either. I'm with you. Yeah, thank you. Let's let's call. That's all. If you're gonna give, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, if you're gonna do a a a, a none of the above, (laughs) do it on a on a weekend that that we didn't get any points. How about how we we use that as a rule uh, from from now on? From now on, that's. I I know he just wrote he wrote out the (laughs) definition of what player of the weekend is, but. We have to add a clause there. Uh, rule one point zero. We're adding a clause to his unofficial sponsored bit. That's right. We are dictating so, the rules now. Go Huskies! If you if you want airtime on our podcast, which is a premium, obviously, you got to play by our rules. Uh, he said Saturday's game was so lifeless. Everyone skated through the motions, thinking that it was something was going to happen, and it obviously didn't. A uh, bushy penalty was not only costly, but horribly stupid. You can't wing a dude in center ice. Agreed. Uh, Bassey wasn't too impressive. Everyone else seemed to want to leave for Christmas break. This year, I've seen them lose games where they've been bad. I've seen them lose game where they were beaten. Saturday's game was a different kind of loss. They lacked urgency, desire, and it was quite evident. Uninspiring, boring hockey. Tell, tell us how he really feels. I don't really, uh, I don't really disagree. Um, I mean, that, that's kind of, that's a really good write up of how that Saturday's game was. We finally got the urgency in the third, and then in the third, it was not only too late, but just nothing. I, I said a tweet that I, I think summed it up really well, obviously because I tweeted it, but it was that um, it doesn't seem like a lot is connecting, and what's connecting isn't finishing, and I think that's where. We did have a couple of good chances, but every time we had a good chance, it was more of us screwing it up versus, I think, Pearson standing on his head or playing so incredibly well um, that I, I, th- I think, you know, for someone who, what did you say, 26 goals that we've put past him in the last 11, three 8, and 7. That's 26 by my math, I think. So you're saying cloud math? So it's... um. Yeah, it, it, you know, we shouldn't have made it that easy for him, especially or even in a period where we put 18 shots on him. So it was, yeah, I, I thought uh, that's a really good, uh, it's a really good take, and I, I agree wholeheartedly. So, yep, just flush it. And like I said, I, I almost wish that, that they played this weekend so they would more readily flush it, you know? It's an opportunity to flush nope, it much, nope. much sooner. You kind of got to sit, sit in it now. You stew, you look at what you did, you rub your nose in it, and then you remind that you do not like this feeling and you never happen again. And then we're going to go on a union-type run the rest of the season. And then we're winning an Eddie. Yeah, I was I was angry at Bushy. I'm like, I'm, I, would, I would bench him the next game uh, just to show, just to teach him a lesson. But then I'm like, well, that game's three weeks from now. I I don't think you can you can't do that. I don't think he would. I don't think he would have done it. But yeah. um, you really wouldn't be able to make a point because he probably would for, have forgotten about this game in three weeks or whatever it is. 
it's almost going to be a month. They play on December, or January 7th, and it's the 12th right now. So it's like 26 yeah. days they don't play until. Well, again, we're forgetting the Canadian exhibition game. Nobody, but... nobody cares about Canada. It's yes. the, um, it, yeah, it was on the 10th, obviously, the game was played on, and you didn't finish it. So therefore, I mean, <laughs> it was well pretty and much. I suppose, I guess I haven't checked the NCHC. He might get benched by the conference, for all we know. Uh, that might be a, a suspension. Uh, I don't I don't know if they're handing those out for dirty hits like that, but uh, he, he might not have the coaches do that. He might have the league do that. So I guess uh, check on that. Uh, if we haven't heard already, I think they usually do that on Tuesdays is like their, their league discipline day, like the Tuesday after the weekend. So, uh, well, we'll find out in, in Heather we Weems conference. Out. If it's, she's go. on my school board. Should I, uh, should I go to the next oh, really? school board meeting and just ask her? I know you mentioned that she was running for it. I, I guess I didn't follow up to see if she, uh, if she won, uh, the election. So, uh, she, so yeah, she show up she and, was... um, tell her to, explain the uh just go there and complain about officiating i think i think dan jacobson would would uh, appreciate that uh, Jay, especially after friday's game but we'll get to that um uh yeah there were six uh people running in school board um and then she was so it was the top three that uh, get elected to the school board she was number three so yeah, so I don't know of anything right now. Um, you know, they just uh, listed their players of the week. Uh, shocker that there wasn't a St. Cloud State uh, uh, player on it. But John Waldron, who did have, what, five points on the weekend, uh, was the rookie of the week for Miami. So, Yeah, he did a, a good weekend in terms of me learning about his existence. So <laughs> he, he is a person that exists. So yes, he is. That, that is true. So, um, yeah, don't have a game to preview. Um, so I mean, other than our uh, changes to the NCAA tournament uh, that we already had, uh, let's. Uh, anything else around uh, this last weekend? Um, any other games kind of catch your attention? Um, overall, we saw. You know, a little bit of a surprising result, I think, when we talked about Omaha. We dedicated even a couple of minutes there to Omaha last pod, and they end up going out and just laying a big egg against Colorado College. That uh, teaches us not to talk about them anymore. <laughs> well, I thought, man, I mean, we were talking about this would be a big weekend in in terms of them you know, taking care of business. Well, uh in that assignment, they got a giant F. Uh, and launching Colorado College to third place in this conference, good for them. I mean, they, they've already, uh, you know, they got eight wins. They had nine all of last year. Nine wins. Nine wins? They won nine times all of last year. Nine times. Nine times. And so almost... Uh, Almost reaching that by the midway point this year. I so I'll give you this question: third place CC. Is that more? Hey, look at CC, or boy, this conference. Make that into a sound bite, by the way. <laughs> That's the two options. Hey, CC. Ooh, this conference. 
Because I'm going to go with the latter. Um, I mean, it, I would love to give more credence to CC. I don't think I can, though, because I don't think they're that good. Uh, yeah, I agree. I Yeah. Although I will give that um, that McCown goal. Did you watch any that of that McCown goal? Yeah, that might have been that might be like goal of the year candidate. Yeah, um, yeah. steal like picks Came the pocket through the leg. Yeah, picks the pocket. Steal, yeah, comes steals in the puck the from legs. the guy, and then there's a little between the legs move. Very pretty. Uh, so yeah, I uh, yeah we we you know Omaha was sort of overachieving to begin with and. CC, you know, they're still the the lowest team in pairwise uh, in, in the conference. They're still at forty two in pairwise and third in in conference points. It's a disconnect that's hard to maybe reconcile. But you look at their schedule; they they did terrible in non conference um, three and five, and the three wins were against Anchorage and Air Force, which I believe are both bottom five teams in pairwise. And then the losses, I mean, St. Lawrence got swept to them. They ain't any good. Arizona State's average. And then they lost one of those Air Force games. I said Air Force is terrible this year. So that's really, I think, the main reason they're so low in in pairwise. Because they've been doing fine in conference, as we said. I mean, two wins against Duluth, who's not good either, at least in pairwise right now. But uh, and sweeping Omaha, those those wins would be their highest wins from a pairwise perspective. This these these wins against Omaha, so yeah, they just haven't really impressed against a good opponent. You know, St. Cloud they had that one tight game with them, but then St. Cloud sort of humbled them on the other game, and they still got four games against Denver in, in the second half, and you know they're going to be you know heavily out favored. Uh, Denver will be heavily favored in those games. I, I can't see that if they can win games against you know the, the the topper teams, then the top the topper teams. I my God, them um, too. Yeah, those those <laughs> topper teams. <laughs> the, um, the, those, uh, what is uh, the Hilltoppers? What is that? Duluth is, uh, Marshall. Is Toppers <laughs> Pizza still still in existence? Maybe we can uh, approach is. approach them to, for a. Uh, 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 sponsorship opportunity yeah i haven't had toppers pizza since college since they got rid of the berry sticks that was oh man those berry sticks were so good they got rid of those and i'm like yeah (laughs) fine i'm done with you kind of my same stance when i got when applebee's got rid of the apple chimmy cheesecake no i'm not going back to you that's why i came here (laughs) you don't you don't get to get rid of my favorite dish and still get my business sorry it doesn't work like that I will find somewhere else for mediocre food. Thank you very much. So, And this has been the Weldy Reviews Chain Restaurant Appetizers corner of the podcast. Right? Exactly. But yeah, CC, still not impressed. Omaha, you kind of proved my hunch right. (laughs) Yeah, although it was kind of funny because you were talking about how Omaha is, like, you were... You were kind of okay on their scoring, but you were like their goaltending is gonna kind of, kind of show a little bit of the lapse, and a little bit of both of those happened um, yeah. over the weekend because it was a little bit of a shootout there on uh, Friday's game, entertaining game, yeah. Um, and then Saturday's game was kind of a a dull one nothing affair, um, where uh, they weren't able to, uh, they weren't able to 
to put the puck in the net. Yeah, and and similarly, you know, I don't know if we really previewed North Dakota and Western Michigan, um, but if if we did, I mean, the the conventional wisdom there would have been buckle up for some offense because. Western, I still believe, is is the top scoring team in the nation, at least in the conference. They are, uh, and and North Dakota also they can score some goals too. But the thing for both of those teams is they give up a bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're kind of thinking these are going to be two five four six five type games. It's not exactly what we saw really at all. Two low scoring games. You know, two two. To and two. Drew Deritter was uh, goaltender of the week. Yeah. It's a three nothing shutout on Saturday and shutting out, like I said, this vaunted Western offense. And then just the two to two tie that North Dakota wins in a shootout on Friday. So, you know, great. Now we get to hear the stories of North Dakota picked himself off the mat. Um, mm. Are they out of seventh place? I think that. No. No, nope. they're still, still they're, at seventh. They're still at seventh at the halfway at the, at the that. A halfway pole. I I don't know my horse racing terms, uh. But yeah, they're still at seventh with twelve points. Western Michigan and Minnesota Duluth tied with thirteen. Omaha fifteen. Uh, Colorado College seventeen. St. Cloud twenty. And Denver twenty three. Yeah, I guess you know my. So really, another... throughout even the disappointment of a loss against Miami. I mean, yeah, you could make the argument that you know we could be tied at the at the top of the standings, but. At the same token, you know, we're, we only really lost one point um, on, on the weekend. Yeah, I mean, that was another one of my initial reactions was, you know, I wasn't, like, suicidal after the St. Cloud loss, but I thought, well, this the, the main thing is this might really screw with your Penrose chances. But then thinking about it, 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 it even if you did win this game and you were tied going into the second half of the season with Denver, Circling that series Denver plays with at St. Cloud in in January, St. Cloud might you know might need to sweep that series anyway to get the Penrose, whether or not they won this last week or not. Um, because yeah, of Denver winning, or because of St. Cloud winning their game in Denver in overtime, Denver would have held the first tiebreaker because they had four points to to St. Cloud's two in their league games that they played. So you might like maybe a five point weekend at so like two wins, one in overtime and one in um, regulation might be what you need to do anyway, even if you would have won this last game. So I'm not even sure if it has that big enough of an effect when it comes to the pairwise or to the uh, Penrose hunt, because he's again, you might still just need to to beat Denver twice uh, when you have the chance. Um, And I think, yeah, Denver, Denver's got a pretty favorable. Yeah, that I was just gonna say, Denver's. That's even ne- Denver's next challenge is us, because you know I think you're just gonna make the point too. They got Lindenwood next weekend, Alaska next the weekend after or the next series, um, and then Miami is their next conference series, all at home. So I mean, they're not even gonna be really tested, I would say, um, until uh, the St. Cloud game. Yeah, and then after that, home and home with CC, and then two home series with North Dakota and Duluth. So just Which usually is a gauntlet and not this year, <laughs> not this year. Uh, and so from, from here on from here until February 24th, you're just leaving the state of Colorado once. And that, that is that St. Cloud series. 
So lots of lots of home action for them. And like I said, four games against CC. Who? Yeah, I guess they are third place, but it's still at CC. I, I'm still gonna be bearish on them. Still got a home series with Miami with them. Um, they don't. Denver does not play Denver in the second half, so they don't. <laughs> they don't get to play Denver, which is an advantage for them because they don't have it's to play. An advantage for Denver that Denver doesn't have to play Denver. Play Denver, right? Yep. And they don't. They don't have to play Denver in Denver against Denver. Oh. That's a good point. They don't I have to play any road games. They don't have that. to play any road games in Denver. <laughs> so they have that advantage there. So I, I I would say they are they were they were in they are in the driver's seat. And even if St. Cloud would have won that game and been tied with them, I still think they'd have been in the driver's seat. So yeah, what yeah. And and it's not like I don't want the the Penrose. Um I, I Penrose is a is a tough trophy to get. Um and you really need to earn it. And, and I, I would definitely want to win the Penrose. So I'm not saying, ah, been there, done that. Um, <laughs> but this just makes it. I mean, Quote it from just, Andrew, Penrose is garbage. No, I was going to say this is probably ridiculous, but Penrose is a harder trophy to win than the NCAA title. Um, but free, feel free to mock and ridicule. That, that take. I mean, that's a little ridiculous. The fact that I you... mean, when you, when you say harder, it's it's well, yeah. I mean, I mean it, it's it, not. it takes it takes twenty four win twenty four games in order to win that, uh, and and you're playing sure, and, and you got a one in eight chance. Okay, sure. Yeah, I guess the just the numbers. So so one versus eight versus simple math. One versus sixteen is is that's 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 what that's the difference well and then to get into that 16 which you want to cut down to 12 yeah I'd love so to. <laughs> so i mean that's even more so yeah i just i, I think it's I harder to win that's a take i'll just say that that's a take it's harder to win 16 I, 17 I, games here, against here's the thing uh-huh. i do think we should put more emphasis i guess on regular season like so much of it is regular season champions mean nothing and I think that's not the right way to go about it. It is the it is. I think it's harder to win than the Broadmoor, not the Broadmoor. It's not the Broadmoor anymore. Yeah, they don't even, they don't even have long? like a name for it. They just call it like the NCAC <laughs> tournament. How long Cup. has it not been the Broadmoor? I knew what you. Were, I knew what you were talking about. You know what I mean. <laughs> so uh, we got some questions. Obviously, no, uh, no, re- no recap. Uh, we will have a show on. Uh, next week. Don't know if it'll come out on Tuesday or Wednesday, but uh, we'll, we'll definitely have a show. Uh, it'll be about something. We'll find it. We'll find a topic. We'll t- mm-hmm. we'll talk about it. It'll be really fun. So stick with us. Uh, but let's go through questions. Uh, first question, friend of the show, Dan Jacobson, um, has a uh, has one that made me laugh. How bad was the goalie interference call in the UMD Denver game? A little bit of a setup here is the end of, you know, as time was winding down in the Friday game, uh, it was a tie game two to two, I believe. Was it two to two or one to one? I don't remember what that. It was two to two at that point. 
Uh, 2-2, and uh, Denver popped in, or uh, Duluth, Minnesota Duluth, popped in what was uh, supposed to be the uh, go-ahead goal with just a couple minutes left to go. Uh, Carl challenges it, um, as he is off to do, and uh, Ruffs came back and said it was goaltender interference. Um, The goalie was obviously out of the crease and kind of completely away from the play. Um, Whether... Anything on TV suggested that it was touched. I didn't really see anything. And if anything, it was maybe a little bit of acting on Krona's part to kind of pretend like he was hit because he was so far out of position. That's how I looked at it. Like, And right when they went to the review, too, I'm like, well, that's a goal, so therefore they're not going to count it as one. Um, so seeing that I was, I was like, yep, of course it's, it's not a goal because apparently we love not allowing goals in hockey. So it's, if you got a chance, go ahead and, and, uh, try to find a video of it. I I think it was a goal. Did you watch it? What did you think? I, I think I agree with you. I, I, yeah. When I first saw it looked like a goal. When I saw the replay looks like a goal. And then I saw the replay. Saw that they were challenging it. I'm like, yeah, they'll probably wave this one off. Um, that's what they do. Um, I I don't like it. Although I don't mind that it screwed Duluth. Um, <laughs> we you know we we blew by that. Like, like I was one rapid listener, and all we do is just crap on his team. <laughs> Sorry, Dan. <laughs> I think he he must. He must at least appreciate it, or at least get the bit. Um, if he doesn't, uh, and he's been listening this long, I don't know what to tell you, Dan. Um, but uh, he gets to sleep at night with those three natties right next to him. There you go. And so I think One he, of sleep, them was he sleeps very well. He sleeps very well at night. Uh, yeah, we blew by. But no I was, Penrose. I was, but no, no Penrose. Penrose. See, that's that's giving more <laughs> credence to bro. my argument that it's the tougher uh, trophy to win. Oh, um, there you go. I, yeah, we blew by this. I was no, I was planning on, on. Wait a minute. Why doesn't the tournament trophy have a name? It's got to have it, a name, doesn't it? Maybe it does. But I, I just thought that it was just some <sighs> random, you know, generic. Uh, you know, NCHC, maybe it does have, I don't know. I thought it just was like NCHC tournament up or the prize or something. Google that. The, the North uh, Star College Cup. <laughs> That's what they should call it. But, uh, but yeah, I, th- I thought we were going, I, I was planning on, on we, we, we were, you know, talked about the Omaha CC game and then also touched on the North Dakota uh, Western Michigan game. I, I was planning on talking about this Denver Duluth series, which I thought was a, a decent series, uh, entertainment wise. Two games back to back where Duluth has leads in the third period, that Denver then ties it up uh, in the third, uh, late in the third on the Saturday game. I think four minutes to go or something, and then Denver winning in overtime both games. You know, kind of sums up Duluth's first half here. Um, very disappointing for them, and and Denver also kind of looking like a team that just it kind of like a Big Brother type weekend where it's just like, yeah, you you think you're gonna beat us, huh? Uh, 
twice kind of pulled the rug out un- from under them. I'm still not Lucy with you, the football. You look back. Yeah. You look back at, I'm not, I'm still, again, I, I don't think this Duluth team is very good. I think we have enough evidence to say that with, with pretty good confidence that they're not very good this year, but I, I still can't like completely write them off. 2018 team, well, 2017, 2018, 18 team. Uh, just I think they're two and seven to start the conference year. Uh, they were I know they were in seventh place uh, at the break uh, in the NCHC that year. And as you remember, if you remember that year, Saint Cloud swept them early in the year at Saint Cloud, kind of blew the doors off them. They looked not good at all. They they looked not very good at the end of the year either, and then snuck into the tournament and won a couple of cheesy two to one games. Um, so this has happened before with them, maybe not to this extent, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it's been a frustrating year for them. And, and so, yeah, from that goal perspective, I, I'm agreeing with you. I, I didn't like the fact that they waved it off, even though I figured that's what would, that's what they would do. I, we're at that point of our relationship with these NCHC refs. It's just like, we just, we know we know your tricks. We know your habits. We hate it. But at least we are, at least they're predictable. At least these are predictable <laughs> annoyances at this point. I don't know if that makes it any better or worse. But maybe it's, I think it's better because we just, we don't get so outraged. So I'm not, I'm not talking for about everybody. I'm sure there's some people that were very outraged. Um, and this was a very new emotion to, uh, <laughs> rage against the NCHC uh, official machine. It's, um, uh, it kind of reminds me of that family guy scene where they're skydiving and Peter's sitting next to those people and he's like, first time? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, yeah, it's my first time acting all nervous. You? <laughs> no, not my first time. <laughs> it's uh, pretty much what this is. It's like, oh, it's your first time being being mad about a goal? Yep, yep, nope. <laughs> This is just what they do. <laughs> just expect it by now. Been there, done that. I've bought the t-shirt, uh, and, <laughs> and, and I'm expecting it now. And so, so yeah, that's a, that's another bit of frustration for their, for their season so far. But, uh, yeah, getting back to my motto, get rid of all reviews. That would have been a goal. If not for a review reviews took away a goal. Um, so I don't like it. Yeah, and it's it's just also like goals are so hard to come by, and like I get it if it was blatant and obvious, but that's just so ticky tacky, and they're uh, find a reason to not allow exciting things to happen in hockey just isn't a good recipe to try to win fans. Nope. Uh, Red Army Omaha, uh, does our existence have any meaning or purpose? Asking for Omaha fans. <laughs> Kind of talked a little bit about uh, Omaha and uh, just kind of the egg that they laid. Like I said, exciting six to four loss. I mean, I guess you got that going for you. Um, but uh, yeah, that uh, one nothing loss. Also, going from like the sky cam in Miami's, like where you can't really see either zone at all, like it's just this fisheye lens type effect. To going to switching to even, I mean, and we never praise 
Duluth's feed, but like it's like wow, I'm so close to the action. This is this is remarkable. And then yeah, Omaha's feed or or the Colorado College feed, um, it was like wow, this is this is very nice. This is a lot more pleasant on the eyes because like you get to some of those chances that uh st cloud and miami it's like i don't i don't know what happened there yeah i don't know if it flubbed off his stick or kind of makes it hard to see exactly what happened there's a idea for a one of these next three weekends pod or three weeks podcasts when we're gonna struggle quote i'm just scare quotes <laughs> struggle to to fill the time Film. How about we rank the uh, NCHC uh, streams? The possibility because there's two. There's two different like you got the video quality, Criteria. and then you also have the announcers. I think also factor into that, and so I think they factor in immensely. If you, especially if you want to know about the one two two four check. That's right. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you know what stream that uh, if you want to know what four trick the opposing team is using, and these Miami guys I, again, we'll talk about it if we're going to do that bit. But I actually don't mind their announcers, but th- that that video feed just does. I, I like squinting. It's like I need to update my contact lens prescription because, or I need the uh, the nineties Fox. Uh, NHL on Fox uh, the glow puck, puck. Yeah. because I can barely see it on the screen. And as you said, it's like you, you can't quite judge how like golden an opportunity is because you just don't, you can't really follow the puck as well. So yeah, maybe we can, uh, maybe that's a bit that we can do one of these next couple of weeks if we sure. need to fill the time. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, everybody tweet us, uh, for next week. Uh, what is, uh, give me, give me a list of, uh, some of your rankings about, uh, other, other feeds and, uh, and everything uh, along those lines. Uh, I did look it up and, uh, no, they do not have a name for the frozen face-off trophy. So I think they should name it after me. I think, uh, <laughs> I think that would be a good name. The, 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 the Weldy, the Weldy Memorial. Oh, maybe not Memorial. I think that assumes I have to die. Though the Weldy, or just the Weldy Cup. There we go. I think that's a good name. More Clappers Cup. The More Clappers Cup. That's a winner. That's a winner right there. I would, I would, I would lift that over my head. The More Cuppers Clap. <laughs> so could, yeah, we have... I, I like that. I like that. Actually, I kind of yeah. like that a lot. Go to, when you go to that school board meeting. Um, put that on the agenda, <laughs> Heather. Heather, I got two two things. And then I'll yield my time. <laughs> One, these refs. Like, come on. <laughs> I'm sure she'll love it. Um, next question. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Red Army Omaha. Does it have any meaning or purpose? Yes, it does. And that's losing in the first round. And I apologize that I have to say that. That probably hurts, but you're used to it. So, um. Uh, do you think the loss on Saturday will hurt the Huskies going into the second half of the season, considering how bad it was? I I don't think it was that bad. I don't even think we played terrible. Um, it wasn't obviously our best effort. We didn't score at all. But I mean, I think we, I think if Bushy doesn't take the penalty, I think we win that game. I think I we come out with it, the third if, and fire. Or if they would have scored the first goal in that game. I, 
I thought a good chance they would have won, even at, like even if they take that penalty. But if they had a lead at that time, I think it's a little different. But it's the butterfly effect of uh, of hockey. One thing happens, and a three to one win turns into a five nothing loss. You know, it's, it sucks. I don't know. Yeah, I, again, I, I I'm just I'm wondering how this the break if it was if it's better or worse that they have this break now because I almost think that it would have been better to to wash it off more quickly if you had a weekend this weekend of a weekend of games this weekend. But you know, nothing you can do about that, oh. I guess. So, well, we got Minnesota's high powered uh, power play coming up, so that's gonna be uh that's gonna be a test uh, to see if uh, everything's the the ship is righted. So. Um, the, uh, Miami lost, uh, uh, but is the Miami loss as panicking as everyone makes it out to be? Was it simply bad effort, poor luck or a healthy mix? Yeah. Kind of, uh, you know, what we were talking about earlier, um, uh, is, I think it just kind of is what it is. You'll have these throughout the season. Um, is this team a contender for a number one NCAA seed still? Um, that's kind of an interesting question. And is are they a contender or do I think they will be one? I think are two different questions. Yeah, do I think contender. they're a contender? And and that's where it's like if they're a contender, like how like how far do you think a contender goes down? Like is it like technically you could look at the pairwise, you can make a case for anyone in the top eight. The top right. two seats could be a number one seed. So, um, I we're, do we're think just talking, can... it, we're talking a number one seed. So in the top four of pair, correct. Yeah. No, I mean, yes. they're at six right yep. now. I mean, definitely still a contender for that. Mm-hmm. Hey, here's the more, uh, here's, here's the better question is, do you want them to be a one seed? Remind us ooh. in this program's history, Oh, and four as a one seed. That says a lot about St. Cloud state hockey. It says too much. I would say um, <laughs> it says too but, much. Yeah. But uh, I guess you you gotta turn that that stat around by getting a one seed and winning a like, game. Yeah, so true. maybe you need to break the curse this year. But this team has gone a little farther as like a two or a three seed or 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 a four seed so. actually. So. Yeah. So right now we're looking at the number one seeds as uh, Minnesota, Quinnipiac, Miramac, and Denver. Um, just first and foremost, I guess, who do you see, who do you see dropping from that? Well, I think the obvious answer is Miramac. Miramac. I would say, um, uh, I would say Minnesota and Quinnipiac are pretty solid for getting a one seed. Quinnipiac, I don't, I mean, that league is so, we're talking about the NCAC being down this year. The ECAC is, is God awful. And they're clearly the best team in that league. I mean, you got Harvard, who's decent too, but and so that and they still have two games left against Harvard this year, but I, maybe see the it's interesting to think though because because they play such a crappy schedule, any loss that they have is gonna sink them. So if they lose to Dartmouth, they might be knocked out of a one seed. They're not gonna get knocked out of the top fifteen. They're like a lock for to make the tournament. At this point, I think, but they might have like a twenty-eight and four record, but they might be a two seed because they lost a bunch of you know, games to Colgate or 
something like that. They don't have the luxury of playing a, a decent enough schedule where uh, they can hide some bad losses with some good wins because they just they play in such a, a poor league. I would say, yeah, I would think Minnesota's got a real good, ch- real good, like a, above fifty percent chance of getting a one seed at this point um, because the Big Ten is supercharged with their strength of schedule this year, and they've already banked so many quality wins. Um, I, I think they're they're very very good position to be a one seed, maybe even a good position to be the number one overall. And I, uh, I was I was about to call you out. Um, and because I thought they would have a little bit more of a cushion. I didn't think they would make that big of a change, but I just went to the customizer and hit because they play Dartmouth in a couple of games. Um, they, they have a game against Holy Cross and then a game, a game against Dartmouth. So I just decided, well, what the heck? So I modified that as a loss, obviously everything else being equal or, you know, everything else, no other games being played. That puts them down to seven. Really? That is a that is a meteoric drop. <laughs> now Dartmouth, I think, is I think they're like sixtieth. So they are like really bad. Yeah, they're sixty one yeah. right now. Um like and that puts them up it, to fifty seven. So watch out. Change it to uh Saint Lawrence. Saint Lawrence is at thirty five right now. So like right around where Miami is. See how I bet that's not going to be that big of a drop, but it still might drop them out of the top four. Because I believe they already played St. Lawrence once this year. Riveting. So modify that to a St. Lawrence win. Yeah. Just see what that happens. On 211. Uh, yeah, they, they go to three. On 211. I, you, you, you can actually, you're, you're doing the, I, I was going to like change the one they already played on December 2nd. Oh, when they already played. Played. I went out to the future. God, I didn't even know that you could do that. But yeah, you can modify. I thought, the, I thought you can only modify the the results that have already happened. But Mm-mm. we got quite the tight machine there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, switching over to St. Lawrence drops into six. Yeah, so I mean, they just they don't so have the mar- the margin of or or the cushion there in that league to to drop games against bad teams. We're saying cloud. Yeah. They dropped a couple against in this game in this loss against Miami, but they just have more opportunities to not sink like a stone. Like it's, it's like the top or the bottom 10 of pairwise. You got Dartmouth, Yale. I guess that's it for the bottom 10. Yeah. It's like the forties is you got union Colgate Clarkson Brown and RPI all bunched. From forty-two to forty-six, and that's half your league. How dare, how dare you talk that about Brown? You got one. You got eight of their twelve teams are in the bottom twenty of pairwise. So just not a very good league, and and so, but they've at this point they have been able to cruise through that uh, through that uh, that schedule. So so. I would say I would be confident that those two teams are going to get one seeds. Denver looks like a decent bet for a one seed right now. The way that the Big Ten is going, I wouldn't be surprised if the other one seed is is you know a Penn State, um, Michigan State. Even you still got Michigan and Ohio State. I was even thinking too. 
I mean, you got Notre Dame at 17 right now. There's probably, I'm try, I was trying to think of the scenarios. If Wisconsin were to win the Big Ten tournament, which I know, stop right now because that's never going to happen, but just go along with it as a, as a mental exercise here, a thought experiment, if you will. If they run the table in the Big Ten tournament and if Notre Dame, if I could say it's Wisconsin versus Notre Dame because those two are the ones that are outside the pairwise right now. Say those two win all the games in the Big Ten tournament until the title game, and then Wisconsin wins that game. Is it possible to get all seven Big Ten teams in the field? I think the math is possible for that, which is nuts. But now that ain't gonna happen because Wisconsin, oh, Wisconsin man. will will take care of putting that scenario. Why to bed. do I want to see it? <laughs> Just. But, I think it's possible. I think it's possible. (laughs) Oh, funny. Um, So, yeah, St. Cloud, I think, still a contender for a one seed. Um, Now, do I think they will be a one seed? No. I I agree. I I don't think so. Um, But, you know what? Two, three seed? Yeah, I I do think that's going to be where we end up. Yeah, and I just... I have a feeling it's going to be, we're going to be in Allentown again. And it's going to be, Penn State's going to be there. We're going to play Penn State in Allentown. I have, I have a hunch that that's going to be how it's going to happen. But I have nothing to, I, that's just random. I don't really have much, you know, evidence other than the current pairwise that they're both going to probably be in the tournament. Um, I just that's that's a a feeling I have, which might I I'm not really scared of Penn State, frankly. I just don't like the fact that they, no, I think they'd that'd be, be playing really in, a, in a host matchup. regional. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be the only time Saint Cloud would ever get to play Penn State because of their yeah exactly because of their non conference uh, scheduling philosophy. Um, we'd have to move over to Atlanta Cocky and then move the university over a couple of states in order for that to happen. But uh, who knows if that, it, that, that could happen. Who knows? Uh, we shall see. Yeah. Um, and then if uh, before the year started, Aaron asked, uh, you were told that the Huskies would be 14 and four. What would you have said? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't have believed you. Um, I, I mean, especially if you listen, if you go back and listen to my uh, thoughts about this Huskies team kind of before the season, now, now, you know, some of the things that I did say are starting to come true a little bit or some of the issues that we had, depth of scoring, you know, you brought up Solquist and his bagel for point production that he's had so far in a lot of games. It's, it's, it's concerning that, you know, if the top two lines aren't going, then, you know, who, Spalacy isn't the guy that's going to really kind of put the team on his back very often. So I, I think some of the concerns are there. Now I'm, st- I'm not worried about the goaltending after this weekend, even though it wasn't a great weekend for them. Uh, but at the same time, it's, there are some issues that I see there, but yeah, 14 and four, I would not have gone. I wouldn't have, if you would have told me if you, I don't even know what odds you would have to give me at the beginning of the year and say, Oh yeah, they will be, 14 wins. And no, 
I wouldn't have believed you at all. So this is this team has really gone past my expectations, and I'm excited to see what the second half uh, uh, has in store. I agree with that. I certainly wouldn't have put 14 and four uh, on my bingo card, or wouldn't have thought that to be the expectation at the halfway point of the season. If you would have said 14 and four and there's six in pairwise, I would have been surprised because I figured 14 and four would be maybe like number one. That speaks to, I think, how the league is a little less strong than it has been in years past. So I would have thought that six in pairwise with that record is, is, is a little low. I, I want to ask you, um, you mentioned the goaltending. You still on the rotation. He's still in favor of Friday caster Bassy Saturday. Yes. But I'm I starting I, to wane on it a little bit. I keep, uh, you know, I'm, I'm bringing this up a lot. I've, I've been the one to, to say, change it up a little bit here. Acknowledging, certainly acknowledging that it's worked to this point. Um, I had this thought, though, thinking about last year, you know, when caster is thrust into the starting position, sort of. At least that that De- uh, Duluth series, completely by surprise. Um, as it turned out, the pneumonia that Renak was suffering then extended all the way to the Quinnipiac series. And remember at that time, it's like wishing that we would have given Caster a little bit more time prior to the postseason to get some experience. I'm thinking the similar sense um, this with, with this current rotation that we're having. You know, what if something out of our control happens in postseason time and one of these goalies is unavailable? And then we're thinking in a postseason situation that this guy's got to be the main guy uh, for both nights of a weekend, and he hasn't done that yet this year. So I'm, I'm thinking maybe sometime in the in this second half, maybe give each goalie a full weekend just to have that under their belt for this season. Because if that does happen, it's nice to have the contingency plan of we're not throwing in a guy, we're not throwing in Bassey on a Friday when he hasn't done that all year. We or we haven't, you know, we're throwing Caster in back to back. He hasn't done that all year yet. It's nice to have, and I think you have banked enough sort of wins here where, and you've got you've got a home series against CC, you've got a home series against Miami. Maybe these are the weekends that you can perhaps tinker a little bit with it but maybe on the whole still do the friday saturday tandem but maybe just one weekend each give them a full weekend i'm just throwing it out there i I wanted to see what your opinion was if that had changed any based on this weekend i i wouldn't mind going with bassy um and start giving him more time i don't it's interesting because i didn't think you would go that way um, when you were talking about, you know, how you had an injury and one person went down, uh, I, I didn't think you were going to go to the fact of, you know, when they're both hump healthy, giving a goalie a full series. So that is an interesting idea. I don't think I'm on board with it because I don't think it's that big of a difference Um for a goalie playing one weekend versus just playing one game, even if it's set in the same kind of schedule. Now, maybe if you flip it and, and, and switch it to Bassey starts on Friday and Caster starts on Saturday, you know, maybe I can see that 
sports aspect of it just to give them a little bit different of a different of a look different of a routine and kind of get them used to that so they're used to both sets of it um but i, I think both of these goaltenders would be chomping at the bit to get a full season if it, they have to answer that call when the time comes so i don't see it but it's an interesting idea i'd be really intrigued by it if it does happen which series would you give then would would you go back to back series with it or would you like earlier in the second half and then later in the second half cuz that like i i just worry about then you know kind of switching the routine or going back to a routine when you know you really have to have conference points on the line uh for seating and positioning towards the end of the season give bassy the and then home- what do you do for Home and away as well. So give, give Bassy yeah. give Bassy the home series against CC. He played for CC. He's got some little extra motivation there. And then give Caster both Miami games. Caster played better against Miami than Bassy did. Plus, it's Miami at home. I know that we lost a game against Miami here this weekend, but you really ought to beat him at home. You really you probably could beat Miami at home with James Gray in that. Um, maybe give him a start. Um, maybe give him. Yeah. But, uh, and also I wanted to mention when we're on goalies and how St. Cloud's really forging a new path here with the goalie tandem, doing some, uh, some research on the, on some of the Eastern teams, this isn't as unique of a situation as I thought it was. Now, I don't know if Miramac and UConn are as rigid in their goalie platoons, Lowell as well, I should mention. Um, but these three teams that I just mentioned are, they're doing goalie tandems as well. Both Miramac and, uh, UConn, their goaltenders, UConn's two goalies have played each played like 500 and some minutes each. Like it's a very even tandem. Miramac has one goalie that's played slightly more, maybe a 60% to 40% split. Uh, Lowell as well is in that sort of 60, 40 category between their two goalies. But UConn, I saw in particular, is right around where St. Cloud's split is uh, minutes-wise. And so this might be a bit of a trend here, uh, at at least this year in college, is that there are some more goalie tandems than I was aware of. And so, you know, and and we'll see if this continues for the second half of the year. I remember last year when Quinnipiac and St. Cloud played them, they were doing a bit of a tandem with this Parrots uh, and St. Cyr um, earlier in the year. Um, but then Parrots, by the time the second half started, was basically getting every game. And he had he had that year where he had, what, 13, 14 shutouts? And St. Cyr, I should mention, yeah. skeet-addled. And he's now at Michigan State and putting up very good numbers there and you know, want, you know vaunting Michigan State up into pairwise territory for the first time in a decade. So uh, it worked out well for him, but so maybe these, these goalie tandems aren't as rare as I thought they were. Uh, and also they're, they're being successful for I mean, it's like, you know, Merrimack third and pairwise Yukon nine Lowell's 14 right now. So, I mean, it's working for other teams other than St. Cloud. And that's interesting. And so, yeah, yeah. Just, I wanted to throw that out there. I, th- I found it interesting too. Yeah, and that's yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe that's just the new wave of you know, goaltenders are weird and you know, maybe that's just the strain and you want goaltenders to be healthy and 
and maybe that giving them more days off is 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 the right recipe so yeah that's interesting um we'll keep an eye on that i really want to keep an eye on especially especially miramac just kind of looking at the rest of their schedule as well but yeah i watched a little bit of them they played another midweek game um, with the midweek warriors played against a, a umass and won a won a game there in umass two to one game is kind of gave me vibes of uh early 2000s like nhl uh and i don't exactly say that lovingly uh but um <laughs> They're a very defensive-minded team. They followed it up with a three-to-two win against Providence. Yeah, lots of um, you know they've they've had some games where they've scored five goals, seven goals, six goals, but lots of three-to-twos, lots of two-to-ones, um, one-nothing, couple of games, you know, shutouts. I. I I haven't seen them enough to really have a great Merrimack take. I I kind of view them ha- how I viewed Quinnipiac last year, where it's like I sort of feared St. Cloud's matchup with them because, ooh, look at this defense, Eastern style of play. Typically, that doesn't really, and, and playing a shutdown defensive structure typically is not vibe well with St. Cloud style of play, but look at how St. Cloud, I thought, handled Quinnipiac. I mean, they scored more goals on parrots than he gave up in like a month's worth of ECAC games in that, in that game. So yeah. it's like Merrimack doesn't necessarily scare me, but I could see them being a team that would give St. Cloud fits, especially in a one-off. This is the only game you play <laughs> in some neutral site with 500 fans there. I could definitely, Allentown. I could definitely see that going sideways uh, for St. Cloud, but I could also see them saying, yeah, we'll beat you six to two, uh, and you don't know what hit you. So I, we got a ways off on that. Yeah, that's so true. we shouldn't really. So. But I've been talking more about the NCAA tournament than I ever have. So <laughs> what am I talking about? Well, we're at the halfway mark of the season, the unofficial yep. halfway mark of yep. the season. So why why not? Want to talk about some some more kind of previewing the second half in these next three shows. Looking mm-hmm. back on this first half, doing a more thorough recap, I want to throw this out for you to get, get you to talk about this. I want to talk about Ingram uh, a little bit more extendedly. Um, All right. Next, next show. Because um, I got some thoughts about him, and I think he could be an X factor for this team. I'm talking about that third, third and fourth line, the bottom six depth. He might be the guy that emerges from that group, and he might be, be the X factor to to um to get that sort of extra scoring that we're looking for. Gotcha. And so I want to talk more about him um but also just kind of more you know look at the first half for St. Cloud more that we even get into this week is <laughs> we're we're going to get into the real nitty-gritty here. But we also kind of want to do another shot of kind of predictions. We we did a first half or at the beginning of the year we did a prediction of the NCHC standings. We didn't do all that hot, as it turned out. No. At least nope, for the nope. first half. Pretty, pretty terrible. <laughs> so we want to revisit that. And see everyone, how... everyone did terrible, though. So so we want to see, if we take another crack at it. We'll, we'll predict the NCHC from this, from here on out, the next last 14 games of the year. 
see how it's going to shake out. Eventually, one of these podcasts, I don't know if it'll be next week or the week after, but we'll we'll predict the 16-team field as we did last year. Um, we might get a... Might have a guest. We might want to get into some World Juniors, which will be interesting. So that's it's yeah. that it's that uh, time of year. I was actually surprised to hear that that Fantilli for Michigan, he wasn't he didn't play this last weekend because he was already at Canada's camp for that for the World Juniors. So we're talking about mm-hmm. Peart maybe missing that Gopher series because that'll be on the tail end of the uh, the World Juniors wrapping up. Michigan already lost games based on guys uh, for World Juniors reasons and you know, lost their top scorer to boot. So uh, it's that time yeah. of year, um, and we could maybe well, talk about that. that's all Michigan has, too. Yeah. So. Well, and we were talking about it'd be kind of a loss if Peart were to miss that Gopher series uh, for the Huskies. The Gophers are going to miss some guys for that series. Cooley, Snuggerud, wow, that's, yeah, uh, Middlestat, and one and one other defenseman. If they make the team, I'm, Cooley will make the team. Uh, Snuggerud mm-hmm. will make the team for sure. And those two are they're they're like two of the top five scorers in the country right now. So that those players again, I double checked. We were unsure of the the end date. It ends on the fifth of January, and that uh, and remember in the. Uh, Remember in the offseason when the schedule was released, we were scratching our heads as to why this series was Saturday-Sunday instead of Friday-Saturday. Now I'm just thinking about this right off the top of my head. Could that have any Oops. effect, uh, the fact that they give them an extra day? Because it's only in Moncton. It's in eastern Canada. So it's not like they're coming from Europe. It, they may have pushed that back because Motsko had a hunch that they were going to have guys at the world juniors and he didn't want to miss a weekend of them. That's possible. That that's the best explanation that I've come up with yet. So that's, so the final would be on Thursday. And this, like I said, this series for St. Cloud and the Gophers start on Saturday. So it's possible they may miss games, but maybe they did jigger rejigger the schedule to avoid that situation. And of course, you need, mean, you need to play I in mean, the title yeah, game in order to, to to potentially miss it. So there's that. But yeah, and I think it's easy for us to say if Motsko did that, but it was probably a joint agreement between well, the yeah. two. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm not there's, trying to. There's I'm no, not bringing up evil Motsko here. I mean, Larson probably figured, sure, yeah, he's been missing a guy basically every year that he's been there too. So yeah. I'm sure he's like, yeah, let's do it. And plus, I mean, you want to go up, I mean, as much as I would love the pairwise points and I guess the bragging rights or whatnot, but like you still want to go up against the best to really prepare yourself for your one and done tournament that you're going to have. So it's, um, you know, because that that Minnesota team, it's it's a very good team. So I'm really excited for that series, but. We got a lot of a lot of hockey to talk before that, um, and we've already talked probably quite a, you know, enough <laughs> for this podcast. So I think we should probably just wrap it up. Anything last you want you want to you want to touch on before you head out? In the words of uh, a very wise man, that about does her. Well, that about does her.
<laughs> so uh, I'm Weldy at More Clappers, M-O-A-R Clappers. You will soon find my name on the trophy of the yep. uh, Frozen Face-Off, the More Clappers uh, Cup. And uh, you can reach Andrew via email. Via, via email? Via uh, one email of them. I've heard at, both ways. At Huskies Hockey Podcast at gmail.com. Send me an email. Perfect. Sounds good. And uh, until next time, go Huskies. Woo! Woo!